Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast, or welcome if this is your first time here. My name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian, and I'm also the host and creator of this podcast, which I put together because I wanted a place to be able to discuss common topics such as wellness, nutrition, fitness, current events, ED recovery, and more from a non-diet perspective. Most of the information that we see in the media or that people will share with you is leaning towards a diet culture perspective because that is really the norm in our culture. But honestly, it's so important when making decisions around how you want to interact with those topics or how you want to live your life or your viewpoints on things to have multiple different angles that you can look at. And so I always hope that you step away from this podcast with a different perspective or some new information, new research, new education on something that maybe you've been contemplating or wondering about. Now, with that being said, this podcast is also a place sometimes for me just to share a little bit about my journey. And I haven't done this in forever, but I just had this itch to share a little snippet of my story again. And I've done a few different podcasts on here. One of my very first ones, I think my first podcast, and then one maybe like 20 podcasts in on, well, first, my first podcast was about my story. And then one like 20 or so episodes in, I believe, about my specific recovery journey. I'll have those linked down below. But I haven't done one since then. And the other day, I was listening to some stuff about my human design. Guys, I am a sucker for any type of like personality typing thing. Like it doesn't matter what it is. I'll go through a phase with it. The Enneagram, astrology, human design, um, the Myers-Briggs. I mean, you name it, I get interested in it. And I never put so much merit in these things and allow them to run my life. But I do think that they're really fun and they're especially fun when you run your own business because sometimes I feel like they can just give you little nudges or little support. But anyways, I'm going down a rabbit hole with that. There was this piece in this human design podcast I was listening to about projectors, which is what I am, and how telling their story is an important piece of how people can connect with them. And so that gave me a little nudge. But then another thing that gave me this nudge was this trend that's going on in TikTok right now. And usually when I see trends, I'm like, oh no. (laughs) But this one was so wholesome. And it basically is about how the world didn't end when you were 17. It's based off of this poem. And you can search up the poem like the world didn't end when I was 17. and, And it will share. It's a really beautiful poem. And people on TikTok, especially women, are sharing how they've accomplished this amazing thing because the world didn't end when they were 17. So I saw someone say, getting ready to go to my big law job because the world didn't end when I was 17, or winning my NCAA championship with my best friends because the world didn't end when I was 17. And there are so many different renditions of this. And it actually made me think about not only how, yes, the world didn't end when I was 17 when I thought it would, but also how the world didn't end when I was struggling with an eating disorder. 
And I want to kind of jump off of that trend today and share a little bit about my mindset on these things with you guys because I just feel like a lot of people I've been talking to lately have really been going through some tough times and have been feeling a little lost and a little hopeless or like they'll have some really good moments and then it feels like going back to square one and hopefully this message can feel supportive for you with that. So we're going to dive into that here in just a moment, but before we do, I have a quick announcement about something I am so freaking excited about that I have been waiting to share. I am officially taking on -on one-on-one clients for business mentorship. This has been something I've been wanting to do for so long, but I also wanted to make sure that I truly had the experience and the knowledge and the confidence in order to be able to do so. I've been in business for coming on to four years now, and I've been able to help over 400 clients in this business and scale from doing one-on-one clients to group coaching clients to multiple groups, and also from doing this all on my own to having a team of nine people underneath me. And helping people build businesses that are mission-based that lead to their dream life and their client's dream life just lights me up. And I especially feel like the current business space is just exhausting because so many people are sharing and selling based off of the income that they make. And mind you, the income that they're usually making from actually coaching other people, not from actually helping specific clients in the field that they started in. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that, But it just really starts to bring us away from the true purpose of business, which is solving problems and helping people. And I could sit here and I could share the income that I've made and the growth that I've had. And it would be more enticing than me not sharing it because I have had success in a monetary form. But to me, that's not what lights me up about having my own business. What lights me up is the client transformations that I've had. What lights me up is being able to have team members that get to do what they love. What lights me up is getting to have DMs from people that say that I'm making an impact on their life. And what I've found is that when you build a business that's aligned with you and your purpose, not only with the content that you put out, the marketing that you do, the products that you offer, but also the structure that you have, the team members that you have, the systems that you've put in place, you will have the success that is meant for you in all different forms, whatever that looks like for you, whether it be a certain number of hours you're wanting to work in a day or a certain number of clients that you want to have or a certain amount of money that you want to come in. And so if this aligns with you, I would love to invite you to book a free 40-minute business mentorship call with me. I will leave the link to do this down in the show notes. It's very simplistic and there's a short intake form to go along with you booking your time, but in this call, it will really be actionable takeaways for you as well as a vision for what we could accomplish together if we both feel that it is mutually aligned. So, Every single person will get 
different offerings that are catered to what they need. So just keep that in mind as you go to check it out because the pricing isn't explicitly listed, but just know you can always DM me if you have questions about that and also that we will go over it. I'll send you over information after the call. So you're also not pressured to join on the call because I know that can feel icky. So I know I've taken up more time than I usually do with an announcement, but I just feel really, really excited about this. So if anyone is interested, you can click that link below and check it out. And now let's just dive right into the episode. And it feels kind of like a perfect segue to even be offering something like this because There is a part of me that feels like this entire story about my ED and life not ending during my ED to now is really reaching its peak in this moment with where I'm at in my life and in my business because I work within the realm of helping people on their relationship with food and body image. But in order to get to that point, we need to start at the beginning and talk about when I developed my eating disorder. So you guys may know if you've listened to some of my other episodes that I started to develop an eating disorder when I was actually around 16 or 17 years old, 17 and 18 to 19. (laughs) I'm like 17, 18 and 19. Those years were probably the worst years of it. And I was dealing with an unconventional type of eating disorder. I had orthorexia and also exercise obsession. So I was over-exercising. I was under-eating, but also very obsessively eating. You know, I was doing the whole weighing my food, the macro counting, but also ingredient obsessed. And of course, hated my body. I mean, I would have these moments of false confidence where I almost felt like, oh yeah, look, I have so much more self-control and I look this way and it's icky, icky stuff that I was thinking. But also I, underneath it all, really, really disliked myself. And when this started in high school, it was a little bit different than the peak that I just explained. My high school self started disordered eating during a time in my life that was really, really overwhelming. And at first, it really started as something that was like innocent, like it didn't have bad intention. And I've talked with a lot of people on Live Unrestricted Consults that share a similar story that when they started struggling with food and body image, it, it wasn't actually on purpose that they were getting themselves into a bad place, which, yeah, I know that sounds obvious, but at the same time, I sometimes feel like there's this misconception about eating disorders and about disordered eating that people go into it with this, like, intention to deal with disordered eating. I just find that that's really often not the case at all. So when it started around the age of 16 to 17, I was just so lost in my life. I was so distanced from myself. I was so unhappy with myself. I had no confidence. I had no... I just... I I didn't know who I was. And everything that I ended up finding value and worth in about myself was external, always. 
I felt better about myself if I got the grade in the class I wanted, but only if it was as perfect as it could be. I felt good about myself if someone said that I looked good. I felt good about myself when men gave me attention and when they thought that I was attractive or when they wanted to be with me, even if that person was so toxic for me. I felt good about myself when other people told me I should feel good about myself and when I ran a good time in track or when I had a good game in volleyball or when I was hanging out with the right person to seem cool and it was never ever about what made me feel good, what made me feel worthy, what made me feel like I was enough or I was content. It was only about what other people thought of me. And I tried to play it off at that age like it wasn't about that. You know, I tried to act like I didn't care what people thought of me. And I was sometimes known as the person that was like not afraid to say what was on their mind. And I, you know, just didn't give a crap about what people thought also, yeah, we don't cuss on the podcast because then I have to like put it into a whole different section on Apple. So not that I cuss all the time, but if you're wondering why I say don't give a crap, that is why. And because who knows who could be listening. I want you to be able to listen in your car around your kids if you would like to. But in reality, I cared so deeply that I needed to make it out to seem that way so that I could simply get through it. And at first, when I started to work out more and when I started to eat a little differently, it was really just about having something that felt like it was for me, that felt like it made me feel good. You know, I saw those changes to my mental health when I carved out the time to go and, like, visit the gym I don't know why I said that so weird, like visit the gym. I noticed that I had some increases in energy when I chose to incorporate some more fruits and veggies into what I was eating or when I chose to eat more consistently throughout the day and bring snacks to school. And yet once I noticed not only that it made me feel better but also that other people commented on what I was doing and that other people thought highly of what I was doing, things went downhill (laughs) very, very quickly. Because then I thought to myself, self, oh my gosh, well, if I don't feel good. I feel so self-conscious and insecure and like crap all the time. And this thing is making me feel better. And also, if other people think highly of me for doing this thing and then give me validation, and that validation can happen so consistently because I have to eat multiple times a day around people, then this is the perfect storm for the validation that I need and the distraction and coping that I want. And I want to just make sure it's very clear. I was not having this internal conversation with myself 
when I was in high school. Like, this took me years of time in therapy and healing and recovering to learn. I was completely unaware and this was just unconscious that this was happening. It was just like a moth going to a light. At least to my understanding, I don't believe moths know why they want the light. I think they just see the light and they're like, I need that light. That was me towards these eating habits. And at first, everything went so well. I felt like it was just this perfect situation. And I then realized through this desire to eat this way that I wanted to be a dietitian. And so then I had a direction moving forward. I knew where I wanted to, what I wanted to go to school for. And I had this like perfect routine every day of the things I could have and couldn't have and what I would bring to school. And everyone knew me for eating this way. And my coaches commended me and I felt like all these things in my life were going right, like I was performing better and I had more of that validation and I liked how I looked more and I had all of these external things that seemed to continue to validate it. Like I ended up dating the guy that I always wanted to date and everyone thought so highly of that and I ended up like getting these grades and having this success and so it felt like everything was working how it should be working until all of a sudden it wasn't. And funny enough, I feel like that turning point was around the age of 17. Yeah, because all of what I just described was 16. And then 17, which for me, I'm a little younger, so that was between my junior year of high school, so my third year of high school, and my fourth year of high school, so my senior year. I try to explain that. For any of you guys in the U.S., obviously you get it, but for some of those of you that are abroad, you have some different ways of describing it, so I try to add the numbers to it in case that's helpful, but that was really the time where everything started to hit the fan, and it felt like all of this validation and everything that was going right for all of that time, almost completely flipped on its head and everything started to go wrong. You know, my sports started to go wrong. School felt harder. I felt like my family and friend lives were falling apart. I felt like I had no sense in myself. And I feel like in hindsight, I can look at this situation and I can see that it's because In that year that I was 16, I was just controlling everything, every single little thing, in every single moment of every single day was controlled, how I wanted it to be, routined. But the truth is we can only maintain that for so long. We can only use that way of coping for so long. It's not true control because true control means you have agency, you have autonomy in your life. I had none of that. I had no agency. I had no autonomy. But it felt good because I didn't have to feel my emotions. I didn't have to, you know, have this variability. I felt like I had everything how I wanted it, but that's not how life works. And so then this next year, things started to crumble. 
you know, I couldn't maintain the frequency and intensity of everything. And so my athletic performance started to drop. I couldn't maintain my relationships because I was so exhausted and so spread out in other things. So I started to have all of these, these issues pop up in this uncertainty. I thought that I had this plan for school and then some things happened in my, my personal life where I realized that it was not how it seemed at all. And so next thing you know, that felt like it was stripped away from me. And you would again think in hindsight, when I'm telling this story, oh, she should likely see that the over-exercising and the obsessing about food and the, you know, trying to control everything is not working. Like, she can, she can see that, right? Like, she can see that adding it on is actually making it worse. But in the moment, I didn't see it at all. And because I got that high in that justification and satisfaction from the first time that I started to implement these things around food and exercise and also had subsequent changes around my body, I instead went for, oh, I need more of that. Instead of having a little flexibility around food and maybe only having these types of rules, I need more rules. I need less flexibility. I need my body to look better. I need to perform in X, Y, and Z way. So I need to work out more. I need to do, do, do more with all of these things. More control, less agency, more routine, no variation. And that year is when... I really started to fall down that pipeline more and more. That's when the macro counting started and the calorie counting and and the obsession around the different things. And it felt like the more that I controlled, the more things just blew up. And yet every time it blew up, I wanted the control even more And I would try to double down further and double down further and double down further. And my body was desperately trying to communicate with me that it was too much. You know, my senior year is when I had my my first panic attacks and would just be debilitated with anxiety, absolutely inconsolable, out of control, It was when my body literally started to shut down and I now know that I got mono at this time. And I say now because at the time I refused to go to the doctor or to get it tested, but I know this later on because I got the diagnosis of having Epstein-Barr virus, which never went away from that time period. And my performance in sports went down, even though last year was great. My performance in school went down, even though the last year I was doing so much better than before. My relationship was struggling. Everything was struggling. And I honestly felt like at this time, I had no idea how I was going to get out of this place. I really thought my solution was to just keep controlling more and that if I could have this external type of 
look and these external habits, that then it could be enough and that these problems would go away. And that's why going into my freshman year of school, or sorry, my, my first year of college, freshman year of college, I continued to just double down on the same exact habits that I was doing before and ultimately do so to distance myself from my emotions that I was experiencing. Because even though I absolutely adored school, I was struggling with the change and everything being so different and, you know, just the the overwhelm of, of starting your first year in college. But instead of confiding in others or allowing myself to feel my emotions or journal about them or talk to someone about them, all that I did was bottle it up and push it down and project it into controlling my external environment and my external self in every possible way. And I would like to say that I was able to come to this realization that I was doing these things in this really beautiful and profound way through, you know, going to therapy because I was struggling some with my anxiety and panic attacks. And then I started to unpack it slowly but surely and shift my coping mechanisms into different things rather than food and body image and learn about my limiting beliefs and my feeling of not enoughness and all of that stuff. But guys, my story is not exemplary. Going back to the very first episode that I posted about my story, it says reasons why you shouldn't do what I did, my story, and that holds true to this day. Instead, I pushed myself and pushed myself to a breaking point where my body absolutely could not move forward, where I was completely debilitated every single day with severe, severe anxiety, panic attacks, depression, drinking to numb my emotions. I, I was I was a absolute mess. And it took reaching a breaking point for me. And guys, it's hard for me to even think back to that time in my life, which at that point was my second year of college in the second semester, because I was in such a dark, 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 dark space. And I just want to say quickly as a disclaimer here, with this idea of me saying, like, because my life didn't end with my ED, I want to be sensitive to the fact that there are people that their lives end through their ED or that their lives end through something related to their ED. And I know some of you guys may know someone in your life that's unfortunately had this occur for them, and I would never, ever want to be insensitive to that at all. So please know that this is not to make light of that in this episode, but rather to bring light to the fact that you know, there was a time for me, and I am going to be talking just a little bit about um, ideation around not wanting to exist. So if that's something that could feel triggering for you, 
this may be a good time to part from this episode, but like I didn't, I did not want to move forward in life. I would think constantly about what I could do to not have to and how much of a relief it would be. And, you know, it was such a horrible period of my life. And although my ED wasn't the only thing that was involved in it, it was one of the biggest things that was really keeping it alive. Because I always talk about how the way that we feel about ourselves, the way that we cope, the habits that we do, they all go together. You know, the ED and the anxiety and the depression or whatever it is that you may deal with, yes, they have separation, but they're also all interconnected and they all can reinforce or break down each other in different ways. And we talk about this a lot in my program, Live Unrestricted, how all of these things feed into each other and how working through them also consequently can help to change each of them. And so every single day, so many times a day, I was doing these things around food and exercise in my body that kept bringing me back to this dark place, that kept reinforcing the negative self-talk, that kept reinforcing this coping that wasn't allowing me to feel my emotions, that kept my mental health in the same place and kept me so, so stuck. And it was just, it was kind of like that nail in the coffin for me. And it was just, you know, it was just one of those things that I wasn't willing to get rid of either. Like I was so convinced that the way that I was eating, the way that I was exercising, the way that I treated my body was fine. And I knew it wasn't, but I couldn't do enough about it because I wasn't allowing myself to have support, to try to feel my emotions, to even take little baby steps forward. And the whole point of why I wanted to create this episode is because I I can't even imagine anymore. I can't even believe that that version of myself was real. And I don't mean that in a condescending way to my past self. I have a lot of gratitude now. It took me a while, but now for that version of myself and how it formed my life and got me to the place that I am in today. But at the same time, it's just, if, if that version of myself, if I told her in, gosh, how many years has it been now? A lot of years, since eight years from now, I think that's around the amount of time. Eight, in eight years, you are going to be helping other women work through these struggles. You're going to be talking about how you're using food as control and coping. You're going to be talking about how to break free of these limiting beliefs. You're you're going to be making a difference in other people's lives that are struggling with this. And you yourself, you're going to feel like 
this version of you is impossible to even understand because you can't even come close to existing and experiencing this level of emotional turmoil and destruction and these type of thoughts. I literally would have looked you in the face and laughed. Like, I would have thought that was the funniest thing ever. Like, someone was playing a trick on me. And I still, even at that time, considered myself someone that tried to be optimistic. Like, I I genuinely still felt like at that time, I had a decently optimistic viewpoint on my life. I mean, obviously, I told you that there were times where I didn't, right? But it kind of fluctuated. And, and that just would have been so hilarious to me. And I say this because it is really hard in those moments, whatever moment you're in, when you are struggling with your relationship with food, with your relationship with body or with exercise or with yourself or with your mental health or with your emotions or with your relationships or with whatever it is to imagine that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that that there, this isn't the end and that there's so much to be excited for and to believe is possible. It's so hard in that moment. And it's hard for me to even think back to those times because of how sure I was that there was no future for me. But if you're feeling that way, please know there is. I promise you. And I know it can feel hard and I know it can feel scary, but I promise you there can be a different reality and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time and it's not always going to be easy. Just like I always say to people coming to me for Live Unrestricted, which the girl coming to me for Live Unrestricted isn't the girl that I was at that deepest, darkest point in my life, usually. She's further along than I was. But even then, there can be this questioning, right? Because they're coming to me for Live Unrestricted because they feel like they've come so far, but there's still these little things keeping them from full freedom. And they're like, how is it going to be possible? I think I'm just always going to be in this mindset. I'm always going to think this way. And the work that we do in that program is all about finding a way to trust and believe as well as taking the steps that need to be taken. And it's not easy every single second, but at the end of it, it's so worth it. And it can change your entire life. And I know that can seem dramatic. And I'm not just trying to talk about my program. It doesn't matter if you do my program, although you're more than welcome to if it's resonating with you. It's always linked in the show notes, but it just, that's not what we're talking about. I think what I'm really trying to just drive home is how, you know, there is, there is so much life that exists out of this exact moment that you're feeling right now, whatever, whatever that moment may be and whatever that struggle may be. And I believe that for you. And I didn't believe that for my past self. And it's okay if you don't believe that in this exact moment. It's okay if you can't see this vision for how it's going to be and you can't fully believe or trust that it's going to happen and that you're going to get to exist in a different type of reality. I 
I get that. I didn't either. When I first started to work on these things, working on my mental health, working on my eating disorder, working on even my freaking business, like I didn't have a vision always and I didn't always have trust. There are times where you don't feel it, but it's about still taking the little steps. Doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be changing everything overnight. It's about taking little steps each day, making one little change, you know, eating the food you want or not tracking the one meal or changing from the high intensity workout day to the less intensity to the rest day or adding in things that bring you joy or sitting down and talking to one person about what you're dealing with. It doesn't have to be big. Even some of those are big. It can be so small. And don't allow yourself to be convinced that those aren't enough and that those aren't taking action because they are. And those are the things over time that completely change the reality that you live in and make that new reality possible. And I know for those of you that are in an ED, it can feel really hard. I mean, for any of you guys, but for those of you that are in an ED, just know that I I understand and I didn't ever think that how I feel with this freedom and acceptance and just absolute peace of mind was possible. And here I am, you know, eight years after that point. And also, I just want to say, like, it didn't take me eight years to get to freedom and to recovery, you know, but it's eight years from that point I was talking about. It can be closer than you think, and it can take less energy than you may think, and it is possible. Oh my gosh. These episodes are so emotional for me. Like, I just, I feel like I'm sitting here and I almost just, I feel like you guys are all here with me. I know that sounds so weird, but like, I just feel like I just want to give everybody a big hug and say it's going to be okay and we're going to get through it and I believe in you and I know that you can do it. And if that's really sappy, I'm very sorry. (laughs) It is sappy, isn't it? But this last, these last few weeks of the year, I just feel like I've been having these urges to just chat like this, just chat about what's coming up in my mind. And a lot of those topics feel like a really good space for the podcast. So it would mean the world to me if you gave me any feedback on this episode, if you enjoyed it, or if you didn't enjoy it, or if you have questions from it, or if you want to talk about anything, just know I'm always here. I love getting to connect with you guys and I'm really, really grateful for you all. So If you did enjoy it and you are feeling inclined, you could also give the podcast a rating or review on Apple or Spotify or send it to someone you know. But regardless, just being here and listening, it it means so much to me. I cannot express it to you enough. I genuinely am so appreciative and I feel so lucky that you're here. So I'm going to end this off, but I will see you guys next week and I so appreciate you in every single way. And I'm already done enough sappiness, so it's time to stop.